I like Flynn. I like Big that. Daddy Big Daddy it came with that name. It felt appropriate. What a great name. <laughs> All right, y'all. Sounds about white. This is episode like... Like eight, I think. Wow. We out here. <laughs> We're only on like four on the Instagram. Need to catch up. Um... <laughs> You act like you have a day job or something. Be the struggle. Um, if y'all can mute, 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 appreciate you. Uh, I'm like Oz over here, so I'm gonna mute you. Um, and I thought I had that fixed. Lord Hammer, Zoom hates me, but it's not about that tonight. Um. Tonight we're talking about privilege and on a little deeper scale. And hopefully you did the readings. If you didn't, what I love about our conversations is that even if you didn't, you can still participate and be a part. And so thank you all for being here tonight. Um, so let's get into it. First, as always, our current events. Uh, Ari, you had a plethora. So I don't know if you want to go first or not, but I'm going to give you the option. I can go first. Um, <clears throat> there were so many things that happened this week. However, I am going to talk about two things. That's it, real quick. So, um, Monday was the one year anniversary of when Mr. Elijah McClain was um, murdered by the police, and um, which is it's wild and kind of weird because we just found out about it a couple months ago. Right. So it's almost like, wow, this happened a year ago, you know? Um, but I just wanted to kind of remember that in him. And you all know that that story is close to me because um, just how it all went down and everything. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. And while we're pointing out dates, I wanted to bring up a um, rather significant day in Black American history. Um, August 28th is not usually a day that we um, or, or mention or whatever, um, but there are several things that happened that day. Um, one of them being Emmett Teal was murdered um, on August 28th. Um, another one being the famous I Have a Dream speech in the March on Washington. Um, which was 1963. And then um, it was either, I believe it was actually the day before, it wasn't the 28th, but still right around that time, um, President Obama was first nominated by the Democratic Party to run for president. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to point that out um, because while there is, you know, there are some significant sad dates that are, that were coming up on and that have just passed, um, there are also very joyous moments. You know, I have a dream. My parents went to the 50th March, uh, the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington in D.C. And, um, you know, um, I just like to think of that as I, I wasn't able to go, but the pictures and I know um, they, they had an awesome time. Um, <clears throat> But I just like to think of that as kind of like um, just a hub, right, for Black joy and for coming together and just celebrating who we are and what we've gone through and how far we've come and our ancestors, our, our resiliency, all of that. Um, so, um, and then obviously, you know, with President Obama, that's, all, that's always a joyous thing to talk about. So I just wanted to bring that up. Um, that's on Friday this year, August 28th. So. That's what I that's what I land on for my current event. I'll wrap it up there. But woo, there's a lot more to talk about. Because <laughs> this week was crazy. Crazy. <laughs> it really was. Um, for everybody who's joining us, what we're thinking of doing next week is just tackling a whole bunch of the current events, which I think would be super dope to just dive in in that way. So no reading. We'll, we'll give everybody a week off from doing their reading. Uh, Lord knows. No homework tonight. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that will be really fun. Jess, what you got for us? So I needed a little bit of good news. God knows there was a lot of stuff to share, but, um, I was super intrigued by LeBron James. I always am. He's LeBron James. 
a phenomenal humanitarian, but um, he's awesome. Yeah, he's working with More Than a Vote, which is a collective of prominent athletes working um, against voter suppression. And they're partnering with NAACP Legal Defense Fund to recruit and fund poll workers and an educational campaign um, for November's election, specifically targeting heavily black electoral districts and states on the cusp. Um, Wow. Of you know that could That's flip the so I thought it was really cool and they're focusing on you know mobilizing youth to be poll workers because we know that there are a lot of elderly folks that have historically done that role so you know just sort of thinking about engaging and helping younger folks recognize their agency and think about their civic identities and so uh, it's it's a feel good initiative so yeah the sooner the better right and again in this climate we need everybody to understand the power of their voice and i appreciate all the tweets that are going out by the higher ups the the well-known name people you know all of them being like they wouldn't be trying to take your vote away if it mattered yeah so um you know the more we drill that message in the better and for everybody who is uh choosing to vote by mail Make sure you have a plan. Make sure you have a plan to understand how to uh, make sure yours gets taken care of and, and in on time because it's going to be a battle to the very end. So uh, it's important to have a plan to vote and make sure you do that. So um, are you absenteeing? Yeah, I yeah, I did for the primaries and mm. they like tracked it the whole entire time, which is was super dope. And they told me already that, um, like, back in, if this is August, like, mid-July, they told me that I was set to go. Same here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was like, hell yeah, let's do it, you know? So I'm pretty pumped about that, um, which is good. So, yeah. for sure. How about you? I haven't done it yet. I am going to do the absentee. I just can't be bothered with the corona. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And I, I think it's just safer. 100%. I don't, I don't yeah. want to see. <laughs> I don't need to see the Trumpers. Like, I just don't. So. I was encouraged. I almost wrecked my car <laughs> because I saw uh, finally a couple Biden <laughs> signs out in Westmoreland <laughs> County. I was like, what? Yes. <laughs> Can we have coffee there, on your porch? They, um, only because of Richard Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> There is some truth <laughs> to that statement for sure. Oh, for man. Oh, my gosh. Too funny. All right. Well, let's get into it. These pieces were, were really, 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 really good. Um, I think there is something to be said about the brilliance of Brittany Packett. I, I, I just, she is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I don't, again, you know, I always pass the floor to you all. Where do you want to start first? Because um, I have obviously had a couple things that stood out to me, uh, but where do y'all want to begin? Go ahead, Dr. Jess. I think, um, I think they were a nice pair because they both talked about sort of the balance, right? So depending on context, we can simultaneously hold identities that are attached to privilege and oppression. And, you know, we can even move through our day experiencing both of those things um, at different moments. And so I liked that. Um, I'm trying to remember which article it was, but it talked about white privilege i think it was hale's article on medium but she talks about privilege she laid out a really um concise definition you know about unearned mm -hmm. advantages and benefits but she talked about it through the language of immunity which i feel like is really digestible to folks that like i had shared you know when i first heard about white privilege growing up as a poor white kid among not poor white kids you know mm -hmm. the thought of the thought of me just inherently having privilege felt like a slap in the face. Um, 
and I wanted to be able to sort of own my experience rather than being generalized, right? And so when we talk about it as immunity, you know, that just, that I think that can make a lot of sense to people, right? So it's not saying you haven't faced challenges. It's saying that you're shielded from some, you know, that others are not. Um, and the fact that there are just certain things that are unearned. So there are a lot of people, students that'll come at me when I talk about white privilege uh, and white fragility, you know, arguing like, so you say everything I have is unearned and it's like, well, no, like you were given a set of opportunities and then you chose to capitalize on those opportunities. I'm yeah. saying not everybody gets the same cards, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think when we talk about it as immunity rather than like just the inherent difference in those words, which we've right. talked a lot about in many of our episodes, mean a lot. And so I thought that both of them written by black women, right, was very approachable. Like they both owned their privilege in different spaces. And so... I thought it was without coddling folks, right? It was very like, no, this is how it is. And um, I loved that Brittany ended hers by saying, you know, owning both, owning your privilege and oppression is your first step towards liberation, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you, can't, you can't really grow and, and transform your life until you recognize both of these things, which I thought was huge. Yeah, so how do we get people to to recognize that it's again with this 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 another shooting people are so quick to place the blame on the black person right like he shouldn't have turned his back he shouldn't have done this and and after like what we were saying in our pre-talk no matter how many videos they see if you it, if you don't get it by now are you going to truly get it so would a piece like this shift folks' perspective? I think it could. I think this is why um, I enjoy the show so much because immunity is also one of the things that I wrote down. Whenever we use different language, like Dr. Jess said, the rhetoric is so important. And <clears throat> although it kind of sucks, right, that we have to use this coddling language. Sometimes that's different. I think the language in, in certain terms, like when you say immunity, it allows you to kind of not use yourself as the example, right? Yeah. And that allows people to be able to identify with it a little bit more. And right. that's why this language is so important. Um, I actually looked up the definition of immunity. Mm. And it that. is... Um, they had three main ones. One was more of, you know, the immune system, okay? Which we could coin that in a really cool way. But anyway, um, protection or exemption from something, especially an obligation or penalty, all right? So exception from penalty, okay? Wow. Or lack, lack of susceptibility, especially to something unwelcomed or harmful. That is the dictionary definition of immunity. And so when we look at those terms and we think about who has immunity already, right? Like qualified immunity, sovereign immunity, diplomatic immunity, whatever, all those. These are like super prestigious people. Mm -hmm. and, and they only have it when we think about it in terms of privilege because of the title that they hold. So as soon as that title's gone, so is their immunity. And I think that's where we need to land in terms of getting people to leverage their privilege. Because as soon as that position's gone, so is your privilege. As soon as whatever makes you different or better, as soon as that group that makes you better is gone, so is your privilege. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we think about it in terms of that, I was really glad that you said that, Dr. Jess, because when we think about that and we follow that whole analogy out, it really makes sense. And I think it'll really help people understand and connect better. That's why I love this article. For sure. You'd be good. <laughs> I think that Hales had a quote that really speaks to that. She said, race may not be a biological reality, but as a socially constructed political status, it is still predictive of life outcomes across social groupings, right? So it's like... Mm -hmm if you consider immunity, right, this sort of shield against, 
than race, whether, you know, socially constructed or not, is inherently tied to outcomes, which are mm -hmm. violence and poverty and, you know, medical access and equity. And so if you, if you think about that, and then you think about the term immunity, right? And then the concept of spending one's privilege in ways that, you know, benefit the common good, then you can actually think about it as like this shield, right? So like, okay, if I'm protected from these things, how can I move forward with this armor, right? To elevate the voices of others. And so I really like that phrasing because I think that mm -hmm. that's, that's sort of ideology and metaphors that folks can get around, right? Because right. it, it, it's more empowering than accusatory, I right. think. Right. Again, right. the language, again, that language. Yeah. So, Hmm. I guess, how do we incorporate more opportunities to use that language in a way, like we got to be able to finesse it, right? Like <laughs> ourselves so that we're, we're saying the right things in those, in those tough conversations so people do get it. I guess it's not really a question, more so a comment, but like, that's a lot of pressure, I guess. That's a lot of pressure in it. And I think that's a lifetime's work for sure, for sure. Of, of perfecting that craft. But I think it's these people on the call who want to, to be able to do that and get that. Um, I remember seeing so many videos when George Floyd was killed of young uh, family members, daughters and sons trying to have the tough conversations with their parents who who don't get Black Lives Matter, it's all lives matter type type things. Um, and so it's it's really up to us to be equipped with the language that will break down the defenses so that we can see through. But it's not easy. No. <laughs> no, it's not. And there's systems built on fear. Um, right. You know, so it's an unfortunate game you have to play, but. I like how she said, um, I've said before, right, white privilege isn't a curse word, but rather a term that describes an unfair game. White privilege is a status afforded by a system designed by white people with white people in mind. Like it or not, we're all born into that system. So, I don't know what I want my question to be, but like, I just know so many people who have been triggered by the word <laughs> white privilege. And we've had this discussion before. What did we kind of come around to of, what what did we say might be better to terminology to use? Do y'all remember? I'm not making that um, up. We, we spoke about uh, like approaching it like majority privilege or if you kind yeah. of ex explain it that way with the majority and how it's easy to understand how a majority would have an advantage yes. instead of a privilege and advantage because that's feasible right and right. then whenever people can actually see that visualize it and relate to it then it turns into so maybe i do have some you know and it's not an accusatory way like dr just said it's not attacking or accusatory or you're guilty you racist <laughs> you know <laughs> It's, ooh, maybe I should work on this rather right, than, right. you know. Right. And that's where we have to meet people because people have to be receptive in this line of work. That's why it's so exhausting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So worth it. So important. What else did you want to comment on, Ari? I know just, just kind of kicked it off there. What did you, what really resonated with you about this? Um... I really, I really loved the first article. The first article is the one that we were referencing. Um, that was my favorite. I just, I liked how, um, first of all, really quickly, just to piggyback off of what you were saying, I, I enjoyed that quote because it referred to racism as a white person's problem. And oftentimes I don't think it's approached that way. You know what I mean? You want to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I just really appreciate that because a lot of times I think we get not confused, but we get um, wrapped up in 
and fighting and, and being activists and advocates. And, you know, and it's like, no, this is my duty. This is my job. This is my obligation. And I feel that way. So I'm sure other people do. Um, and it, it's not, right? Mm. It's not. It mm. shouldn't be. Right. It shouldn't be. And the fact that it is, is indeed, we've talked about this before, uh, holding up the patriarchy. <laughs> you know, the fact that we, uh, we have to do that is indeed, you know, falling into that. So um, yeah. I just, I really appreciated that there wasn't any coddling, like you said. Yeah. Um, and that there, you know, we are, we're going to approach this for what it is, which is not my problem. Right. You know, I, I like that. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the first article. Um, because there was a quote at the beginning. I also want to talk about the Anne Hathaway thing too, as well. So, um, I liked how she said, she made it clear that everything is about race. My, this is something my mom has like, like, you know, not only researched and done a lot of, a lot of work in this field, but, um, has really made sure that I understand that everything goes back to race and, and honestly slavery, you know, um, even like, it's things our history. what'd you say? It's our history. That's how we like, but like, like, um, the example she gave me, one of the examples she gave me was like, even soap and water and the ivory soap, right? And us washing away all the dirt, right? And, mm. um, and how that was marketed and how black folks are actually, they actually spend more money on cleaning products and toiletries than I think any other demographic, but are still considered the dirtiest or still feel the need to just, you know what I mean? Like there's just a lot um, that goes into all of that. I'm not putting it as eloquently or as um, knowledgeably as my mother would, but um, that was one of the examples that I can remember and um, stuck with me. So, um, but like everything, you know, everything, obviously we see like colorism and this and that, but like everything she said. So um, I appreciated that the article adhered to that foundation and kind of, it allowed me to kind of relate to it a little bit more, understand a little bit more because it's with that same basis that I would come from. Mm -hmm. um, and I liked that there was the direct comparison of oppression and privilege. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we talk about privilege without even mentioning oppression. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about experience here and there, but like, no, the direct effect, like if you have this privilege, that means someone else directly opposite of you is oppressed in this way right. and you know when you think about it like that it's almost like a seesaw and it's like okay what are you gonna do to level it out like you know yeah I also like the way that Brittany's article talked about one doesn't negate the other which I think especially for white women is the battle cry right so like well as a woman you know I too am oppressed and it's like okay, sure, like your womanhood might be an identity which is oppressive, but it doesn't change the fact that you're white, right? So you cannot equate your experience in America to a black woman's experience in America or a brown woman's experience in America. And so I thought that like, yes, recognizing these dichotomies and these personal intersections is really important because we need to understand like the roles that we present and represent for others. But you can't just say because, you know, one exists and that, that lessens the effect or cancels out the other. I thought that was and that's an important point to make. And really do not get. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> I try not to be offended by the fact that people don't get it, but like, boo-boo, this ain't the same. Like, we ain't living the same in the same worlds like mm -hmm. it's two different experiences mm -hmm. um when people do that to me I say um yes and so now you can sympathize with how I might be feeling you know what I mean like I tried to kind of pull that feeling out because I know that's what and they want that acknowledged 
I don't know. I try. I tr- it's like, so now you can kind of understand what I'm saying. Like, you know, I do the same thing too. I'm like, yeah, exactly. So then imagine taking that and putting that on top. <laughs> and they're just and like, I'm still black. And they're like, <laughs> you are. Yeah. 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 And when you do that, do they, do you feel like they get it or do, are they still just like, no, I too am oppressed. Well, I think they're gobsmacked. Like I have like more often than not, it just shuts down the conversation. Cause it's like, sure. Yeah. You're a woman. You might be being paid less, but are you and your children four times more likely to die in childbirth? No. Um, is your child three times more likely to be suspended? No. Uh, is your husband 40% more likely to be in prison? No. You know, so it's just like, you can like, it's facts, right? So like, yes, I can acknowledge the fact that you might face some oppression, but like, there's a lot of other stuff going on that does not affect you. Um, right, right. 100%. Every week, I'm just like, how do we get people to <laughs> So how do we fix it? <laughs> it really, like, it, it feels like, because people watch what they watch. I'm not going to, you know, say any station names that have... An animal in the title. <laughs> that rhyme with box. <laughs> and are fair and balanced. <laughs> So, like, if that's what you're digesting, you have to have even more <laughs> weapons in your arsenal <laughs> to, like, <laughs> take down the, I mean, my God, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. I'm, Which is why I'm, it's <laughs> important to understand the direct consequence of privilege is oppression. This is a lot because there's all this privilege out there and we have to carry the weight of it. Right, right. You know, and not benefit from it. It's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, I'm fortunate enough that there are other areas in which I'm privileged and I'm able to then get my foot in the door. Because one thing about privilege is when you have it, or when you have a little bit of it, it's easier to get more, right? So for instance, if you have educated parents, it's easier to, and you have, you have that education privilege through them, it's easier to attain it yourself. Um, and then it's easier to accomplish socioeconomic privilege or get mm-hmm. that, right? Because yeah. you have that. So, or I guess that's part of it, but you get my drift. Yes. Um, just like the direct opposite, um, if you don't have that education privilege and say you're an essential worker during a pandemic, you're going to be on the front lines getting the brute of, you know, all of the um, virus, disease out there, um, sickness, illness, you know, and just on top of everyday life. And that would then affect possibly your able-bodied privilege, right? Right. So with all this, with all, with, with is just as easy as, as it is to get it when you have it, or if you have it, or if you're lucky enough to be born with it, um, I just really want to stress that the direct opposite is oppression. Mm-hmm. So we have to find ways to leverage our privilege. Yeah. We have to. And yeah. I can't, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, and I can't speak to leveraging my white privilege, right? <laughs> I don't necessarily have that, but I do have light skin privilege. Yeah. And I leverage that to get, you know, darker skin people in the door, mm-hmm. you know, um, or to hire more, more minorities or black women or, you know, um, but I'll be explicitly dark skin women, you know, mm-hmm. um, Go ahead, Dr. Jen. I just, I just, I really wanted to just stress that, you know, we have the opposite is oppression and 
when we don't use it, that is that is absolutely the problem. Not even a part of it at this point. That is the problem. For sure. Uh, and I was going to say, Hales's article talked about, um, I think it was towards the end where she talked about if you're white and you're not actively working to dismantle white supremacy, you're colluding with it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important that we all think about the spaces in which we do hold privilege and what are we doing to either dismantle the components of that system, right, that disadvantage others or invite other folks into, you know, to elevate voices and to let folks rise up so that, because there are seats at the table, like we've already discussed that. There are seats, we just pretend there aren't. Um, but I think if this pandemic showed folks anything, it's the fragility of these social constructs, right? So there are so many Americans that are like one or two paychecks away or one medical bill away from losing socioeconomic status, which can then, mm -hmm. as you were talking, Ari, like it's a domino effect, right? Mm -hmm. So then you can't afford to stay in school. So then you don't have an education. Then you might lose your housing, right? So it's like all of these things stack up and you know, so if you are just sitting on this like throne of privilege and you're not really assessing the systems in which you are a pawn in, that system can crumble quite quickly. And if, right. you, like, if you don't understand the intricacies of it, like you're screwed. And I think like 2020 alone has shown us like, you know, the market ebbs and flows, the, the economy does, you know, so do jobs. So, you know, our health isn't, you know, stable as much as we, as we would like it to be, you know, there are factors out of our control. And so um, I think a lot of folks, especially white folks have held on to their privilege for so long that when something like Black Lives Matter comes along, like they've never had to think about what would life be like if I didn't hold this? And that's why it's positively terrifying, right? Because they've been taught, we have this system, like to have rich, you need poor, you know, to have smart, you yeah. need, you know, like, because we can't even begin to think about like, oh, there's space for people, right? It's this whole, like, there can only be one mentality. And so by nature of someone threatening that privilege, because God forbid, you know, equity, um, <laughs> then, you know, that reality of like, Oh my God. You know, so I think that now is like the first time, even though they won't use those words, they're recognizing what privilege means and it's terrifying to lose that. And so I feel like if you can get folks to start thinking about like, okay, what intersections of identity did you have? What do those mean in our current culture? Right? So are you cisgender? Are you hetero? Are you, you know, like where on all these spectrums do you lie and what does that mean? for your voice and your agency and your privilege and your power. Um, because if folks don't think about that until like it's a true threat, then that's when you get folks acting in bizarre and dangerous ways. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Yeah. For sure. It does feel like more people have come to the table to entertain this because of what happened to George Floyd and everybody seeing that, that video. Um, it's annoying that that has to be, that had to be it, but um, at least they're working towards trying to understand. Uh, and it's going to take those people to bring the others along. Because, I, I, and I feel like I say this every episode too, is white people listen to white people. And I'm mad about that because I've got a lot of white friends. Mm -hmm. Like, y'all need to get it. Ari, I feel like you were about to say something before <laughs> I went off on that. No, no, you're right. Um, it is very annoying that we have to be validated by white people who don't understand our experiences to get any sort of leverage in this place. But um, I, I can totally understand that. You know what really got on my nerves? <laughs> Completely off. Well, it's not off subject, but whenever, uh, I don't know, I think it was right before Trump got elected and the BET Awards came on, Eminem did that cypher and he like rapped about Trump and you remember that? And then he was like, he like went off and everybody's like, oh my God, Eminem, thank you, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, he said the same thing that like John Lewis or Elijah Cummings or he's, he said the same thing that like my people's been saying for years. Like, why are we saying thank you for doing the right thing? Like, and you know, people were like, no, you need to just recognize that this was good. And he has a big, uh, big platform and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool, that's the least he could do. He got freaky, I'm not gonna, 
that's my mom and daddy's on here. They got, you got freaking rich off the culture, bro. That's the least you can do. Yeah. You got rich. You got rich. And not only did you get rich, you, you're crazy, crazy, like, misogynistic lyrics and, like, your poor daughter and, like, the whole world knows about your messed up family and how your mom used to make take pills and, like, all this crazy stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and you made a whole bunch of money from all that and and got a whole bunch more privilege you know what i mean that's the least you could do the least the least you could do i'm not about to sit here and praise you for that so i completely understand what you're saying <laughs> about about having to have white people validate us right but um one of the things that i think i i want to point out about privilege is um that we think about it like it's pie or pizza like you know like oh i have a piece of privilege and I'm going to have it and it's mine. And now that I have it, it can't, you know, it won't get bigger. And that's not how it works. That's just not how it works. Um, it's more of like a boomerang, right? Like you throw it out, I guess. I don't know. This is, I'm just, I never really thought of what it is I'm like. We're working with you. We're here. Yeah. A boomerang. So, <laughs> so, all right. That's not my real analogy. I'm going to tell you my real analogy, but like, don't judge me. Okay. Hey. It's like weed, right? Because say you have some, right? And you smoke a little and you get a little, you know, and you're in your right mind or whatever. And then you pass it. Right. Mm. And then the next person gets to take a little puff and experience, you know, maybe a different mindset. Mm -hmm. Okay. Work with me. And mm -hmm. then I you enjoy keep passing it. <laughs> and then you keep passing it. Right. And then all of a sudden everyone is benefiting from this privilege, wow. right? Everyone is in a better space because they've all had a chance to experience this privilege that you shared with them. Wow. That's more so what it's like Here for it. <laughs> you know? instead of a pizza. And I'm sorry to use that as an analogy, but that's the, I've had success explaining it that way. I'm here for it. <laughs> but honestly though, you know, it's, it's just like, it's, um, it's, it's looking That's out for really good at <laughs> really good at is it <laughs> it is and i mean like and it's like it's like one of those things like or we can say if you, you can take a horse to a well but you can't make it no 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 no, no you no, can't no, make it no. drink that's not it oh teach a man to fish that's what it is you can't you oh. feed a man i don't know something about fish and you feed a man <laughs> and then you teach him how to fish he feeds himself <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, but if, if I may piggyback off of what you just said and say, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think of people like Oprah, who clearly found the the well, let's say, in giving. <laughs> right in giving right right she continues to receive more because she has found and used her platform to give and give and give She's also a black woman like tell me are, is there a white <laughs> equivalent to that like because we just found out ellen's trash so. I, I gotta go back and edit my blogs because i used to have them on the same thing and i you know I, right like i was thinking i've been thinking about that like but you look at like what gave Ellen Oprah that does, what Michelle Obama does, you know, like again, these are black women who we know consistently give and give and give. Are, are there white like I don't know. I don't know. And that kind of goes back to like Ari's comment and you're wanting to loop back around to Anne Hathaway, like I felt some yeah. kind of way when everybody was praising Taylor Swift for saying that like she didn't like Trump. I'm like, congratulations, you're a decent human. Like I don't, why are we celebrating these things? Like, <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, who, who is Oprah's? <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to think of a white person that does things that Oprah or, I mean, I don't. Who, I mean, 
Ellen did giveaways, but then she was abusing everybody behind the scenes. So we, I, I mean, I don't know if that's an episode, but we should definitely hit on that. <laughs> I, I'm triggered. I'm triggered. Because I... Nuclear. Go with, go with me. Is, is this <laughs> Wait, now it's your journey. I'm it's here. my turn. I got my horse. I never liked that she scared people. Yeah. I feel like there's a direct tie there. I don't know how to articulate it, but like... Bullying? She's an asshole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You, when people like try to do that, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to people to make money? Well, and she would also like make fun of people that were stupid. It was just funny. So we'd laugh. Like she'd be like, yeah, that's what you do. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? She'd do that kind of like smug or snide like remark. And you should not be surprised by this. Just like Tory Lanez. What I tell you, the signs are there, y'all. The signs be there. We just don't be reading them. I don't know why. Or we read them and we excuse them, right? Like, like, yeah, that's what I do. I'll be I honest. I read it and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> as soon as I read that, I was like, proud, you know, like we all do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I immediately thought about that when she, I think because I don't like to be scared. That's another reason I don't go to the movies because I don't like scary movies. And when she would do that, I'm like, why are you, why are you scaring people? Like, why is that fun? I don't see the joy in that. So I, you know, not that I saw the song. I saw the song. I didn't see them. As intuitive as Miss, Miss R, the Ari Alex. But like, I, I just, I immediately thought of that. Okay, but um, let's talk about the Anne Hathaway yeah. and Lizzo and. Um, I don't know what happened. You have to pull me up to speed. Uh, even, um, what was her name? Eva Longoria Mendez. Uh, no, no. Yeah, she was called out for being on the DNC. Uh-huh. Oh, Veru? Mm-hmm. Oh, one of the articles mentioned Terry Crews, too. I oh, Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson. There you go. There you go. Thank All you. right, Hannah. Thank you, Hannah. Love you. Um, I just like, can I real quickly point out that you said that I was articulate. My dad said that I sounded like George Bush. And I feel like those are not the same thing. So one of y'all lying, okay? One of y'all. <laughs> I, I, don't, saying, know. I don't know your dad. So shade, but now that I know that it's dad, I'm like, oh yeah, no, it's my dad. But I can say nuclear, so it's fine. <laughs> Fool me once. Shame on shame on uh uh I did sound like that, right? Like that's not the saying. <laughs> that ain't it. <laughs> Dang, he's right. I still love that being on J. Cole's album. No, so good. Every time I play it, I let that whole thing play. I know. Um, I can't find it in there, but basically, Anne Hathaway and, well, no, Rebel Wilson was praised, and Lizzo, who came out and did the same thing, they're like, skirt, skirt, (laughs) full stop. Like, you don't get to to do this. And And so, Does it take, I mean, yes, I already know the answer, but I just am trying to be a good host of like, why does it always take the white people say it? And why do the white people get praised? Relatability, they're the majority. It's relatability. I I don't, it's frustrating, right? Because it just makes you feel even more invisible. Like, damn, it's not enough that y'all think I'm a monkey or an animal, or it's not enough that we're criminals and have been criminalized just because of the color of our skin. You know, it's like, dang, like, damn, y'all don't listen to us either. Like, we're not worth, you know, we're not worth nothing. Is the mic, I've been tapping on the mic check, <laughs> doing a mic. Right, like, do you, <laughs> hello, can you? You see what's happening, like, and it's like it takes somebody ne- dying in the street, begging for his mom with a grown man on his neck for nine minutes to realize, oh, they're human. Oh, they breathe and they cry and they have moms and they are scared in their last moments of death and they're not scary and they're not criminals. You know, it's like, why? 
But even, even for Jacob Blake, they were like, but his record though. And I'm like, no, you don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. His back was to him. He sh- seven times in the back. Here's the thing. If little Johnny didn't, his daddy didn't expunge his record, all right, he would be having the same privilege. Right. So let's recognize that. Here's the thing. Okay. Yeah, maybe he did have a record, but so does little Johnny. So if little Johnny has his expunge and that can't be held against him, or if we want to use a real person, Brock Turner has, you know, and it won't be used against him, then why can't we? do that that why can't we do that exact thing over here because this person is being oppressed because that person isn't and you know what i'm coming for next is everybody's so quick to share the child trafficking shit but y'all want to uh, talk about jacob blake it's right it's all related see my mom's mm. about to be screaming on me because my blood pressure let me call <laughs> i know you're like <laughs> <laughs> Like she working out today. <laughs> this is new. This is new information. <laughs> but see, but like, why are y'all? So, it's all disgusting. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is that so easy for y'all? I think it goes back to when we were talking about um, the defund the police episode, right? Mm-hmm. And that. It all goes back to system justification theory, right? So if individuals are motivated to justify and rationalize existing social arrangements and sort of like defending the status quo because it exists, everything is like contextualized by, again, their privilege, their social standing, their personal experiences. And so when something happens like that, like George Floyd or whatever, pick, pick a murder, any murder, and you, and you see that and it's jarring and it creates this dissonance in this system that you were told for white people since childhood, like this mm. is who you go to and you don't feel safe. And these are, you know, and maybe your dad's a cop or your brother, you know, whatever. And so people will feverishly defend the status quo, right? Because the thought of lifting the veil and recognizing that these systems that you've grown, that you've supported, maybe you've fought for, maybe you've worked for, you know, whatever, then implicates you, that's a scary fucking place to be in. And we know, based on everybody's fragility, which is just becoming so blaringly obvious, they're not ready. They're not ready to dig that. Put your big girl, big boy <laughs> stuff on. Oh, I agree. I 100% agree. I, I love higher ed, but I'm like, this shit's way too expensive. <laughs> I just feel like I understand that, right? I do. I get that. And especially if you're, say, coming from, you know, a legacy conservative or Republican, Christian, conservative family, whatever, um, cop family, whatever, it can be not only intimidating, but like downright scary to, to think or start to embrace these thoughts. But like, and, and, and honestly, from that perspective, unbelievable whenever you first hear these things, right? But at what point, because it's not like this has been like a year or five, or 20, or 100, right? (laughs) This has been really generations of generations of generations. And it's like, we are not afforded this time that you so casually spend. Come on. We are not afforded that. And I understand that you may need to tiptoe around this for your own benefit. I don't have time for that. My people are dying. Literally. Dead in the street. Seven times. Every year. Every year. Pick a name. I could sit here for the rest of the show and name names for seven minutes straight. And and some of them you won't even remember. Right. That's what happened. Right. Like Sean Bell. I think that was the first one that I ever heard of. That was the man who was about to get married. I think it was on his wedding day or the day before. Yeah. Yeah. In New York. I don't remember. I don't remember. Or Oscar Grant. 
remember Oscar Grant. Yep. I'm not going to go through and, and 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 no shade to obviously the the these names or these people. I just I'm not going to go through and name them right now because that that won't put us in a good space. But um, my point here is that Ooh, honey, <clears throat> we don't have this time. We don't and. I do understand how it can be intimidating and scary for someone to start to embrace or accept these ideologies. However, this, this is backed up with statistics. These are backed up with facts. This is backed up with experience. This is backed up with video evidence at this point. So like you said, E, let's put on the big girl panties. All right, let's, let's put on the big girl panties. Let's remove whatever you need to to accept whatever you need to. And let's just leverage and use our privilege to benefit everyone. Let's just do that. If you feel that guilty, that's fine. Then just leverage your privilege. If you feel that fragile, that's fine. Then just leverage your privilege. You'll feel better, I promise. No side effects. <laughs> Straight like that. Straight like that. My mom said, you ladies are everything, but she messaged it to me privately, so I don't know if you all <laughs> Much love to mama. I'm just tired of being sick and tired. And um, it sounds cliche, but like. No, it's real, but. I'm yeah. sick and tired. I'm tired of people, like privilege being the issue of people not getting it. That's get uncomfortable. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just need to find the spaces to do that, right? So I think that, I mean, we've talked about the fact that our nation is segregated by policy and, you know, just socio-culturally. But um, so if you have the privilege of getting an education, a higher education, right? Because we know the K-12 curriculum doesn't begin to dabble in this shit. Um, then that might be a space where your ideology is challenged, but we need to find spaces for folks that aren't, you know, seeking. That's why these bullshit DNI initiatives in corporate America just aren't cutting it, right? Because we can't check boxes. That doesn't, we know that that doesn't transform anybody. And in fact, training gone wrong or like checkbox training actually solidifies like biased opinions. So, we need to just find spaces. Like, how do you get to the folks that, honest to God, have never experienced diversity in any form? And there's so many of them. There's so many. Think of rural Christian America. Like, and they're in power. Yes. And it's like, they haven't even, I mean, we're not even having discussions about, like, same-sex uh, marriage, you know, like, to even begin conversations about <laughs> racial, oh, God. right? Like, there, I mean, there are some people, like, the, the bar, the starting point, whatever you want to call it, is not the same. So it's like, so how do you begin to have these conversations on the spectrum of awareness that exists within our nation? Honestly, because when it comes to Christians, I don't even think you could start with feminism. Hell no, no. Yeah, no. And that mm -hmm. system in and of itself, like, because mm -hmm. usually I can, can get, a, I can get. A, yeah, so it's yeah. like you have to literally like that's why these intersections and thinking about our levels of privilege, like, even your even if someone's coming in it, you know, from like oh they you know they might get this part but they don't get that. There are some people that truly like ground zero for this. So I think that we need to as an like we need to get creative. Like, how, how do you do that? You're stressing me out, Dr. Jess. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> how low can you go? <laughs> how, far, how low can the bar go, my Lord? Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, you're right, though. That's unfortunate. But yes, you are right. That's why small, meaningful <laughs> gestures, acts, conversations matter. They matter. You're right. Look, you know what I'm going to tell them. Watch 13th. Sis, let them know. <laughs> I got this documentary for you. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great place to start. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I love to <sighs> That's unreal. Yeah. Um, we really need some merch. Because <laughs> that. We got that, quotes for days. Yeah. I would love. How cool would it be if we could get Ava DuVernay in one of those t shirts? I'd love that woman. It was just her birthday. Yeah. I feel like I don't even. I can't even. Oh, man. That's a thought right there. Right? That yeah, would, that's... That would put us on. I put on them. Um, <laughs> All right, throw it back. Uh, we were talking about uh, old college, college days. So um, I want to, I wanted to bring this up earlier. Um, but, and I hope this is, kind of ties in. Because <laughs> I think back to that, tweet I was reading at first and I was like this isn't the tweet I wanted to read <laughs> uh, I got this message earlier from a good buddy of mine from college we were catching up and um, he said how are you I said I am doing well despite my people being <laughs> down in the street white supremacy how are you is the better question and he said uh, he wrote back the f-bomb and I'm sorry that you and the people and people who look like you can't simply live in this world and enjoy your lives as you deserve. Everything is political. Going for a walk, where you live, food, everything. And he's a white guy, just for story's sake. I need to be responsible for my actions, inactions, for how I've personally allowed white supremacy to thrive in my home, neighborhood, country, I'm constantly amazed that during an ongoing pandemic, Black people in America are fighting for themselves and others to make a better world in a world that has never valued them as they deserve. I assume you're tired, angry, and frustrated. Please know that me and people who look like me are the reason why. I love you and please take care of yourself. And then I somehow had to go into work after, um, after reading that, but it's, it's good to have good people in my circle. And I appreciated his message more than I could ever um, articulate, but I hope that resonates with some people um, on our line today as we, as we close out. A um, couple things, housekeeping, anybody else have anything else they want to mention before we're... No, that was a solid... Yeah, and I feel like anything I say will ruin it. So. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm on that one. Um, Another analogy, Art. <laughs> we'll do it on the FaceTime after. Because it was, it was with good, great intentions. Beautiful heart. It was a beautiful message. It was beautiful. That was really nice. Yeah. Um, so uh, I will say that two things. Um, one, we've got our recap tomorrow night at 8.30. So join us on my Instagram live. Um, and it, it should be on time or a few minutes after. Give us, give us grace in that space. Um, and two is we are going to be shifting Zoom links. So if you have um, the Zoom link saved, uh, our first episode in September, we're gonna switch it up a little bit. So make sure you have our, uh, our link tree and, and slide into that because what we're hoping to do is start broadcasting live on Facebook as well. So we can share, uh, tonight's message needs to be on Facebook. <laughs> um, this is, you know, important work and conversations that we're having and uh, we're trying to reach those, the unreachable. <laughs> and so with that, um, we're going to be shifting things. So we're going to start to advertise that a little bit. So share, yeah. if you can, share the posts in your stories. We appreciate all the support that y'all are giving us. Continue to share with people. Bring somebody along, you know, that I always churchify everything. But um, <laughs> bring somebody with you the next time. Ari, was there something you wanted to say, Ari? No, 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 no. Um, we'll be back tomorrow for the recap. And do we have a topic for next week? Or are we going to? Oh, we're doing the, yeah. bring the news. Bring your news topics. Bring your news <laughs> topics. Yeah. Yeah. 
all the current events. Look, we still got a lot I didn't go over from this week, so we can, I'll save them. Yeah. Don't worry. The conventions alone could be their own episode. Ooh. Wow. One minute. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. We gonna do it. So meet us here next week, but before even that, meet us tomorrow at 8.30 on Instagram Live. Thank you, everybody. And Thank you. Uh, we can stay here or we can go to FaceTime. So good night, everybody. Good night. Um...